The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. On our way to visit the Temple of INA, Detective. That's rather bold, don't you think? Do you have any idea how dangerous that could be? And now that you've safely tucked away the Donaldson family, will you reveal everything to him? And are you forgetting to include someone important in all of this? It's dangerous, very dangerous to hold back. It could have unforeseen consequences. <laughs> but that's okay, because it's time to turn out the lights, turn up the air conditioning, and cuddle with our favorite tentacled monster. But before we do, a quick reminder. This story does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and salty, unsavory language and may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now, take old Lord Piotr's hand. Wait, you're afraid to take my hand? Don't worry, I don't bite. And if I do, I've had my shot. <laughs> now, where were we? Let us rejoin our story with tonight's episode. Chapter 5. One step forward. The alabaster face of the church stood out against the bleak background of the charcoal hills of Bloody Run Creek. Here it seemed that most of the fall foliage had already dropped. The trees appeared withered, and the sunlight seemed to bend weirdly around the building as if trying to avoid the structure itself. The building was nothing grandiose. In fact, oversimplified would be a better description. No stained glass windows, no rising spirals towards the heaven, just stone that rose from the earth in a twisting manner, like vines or branches intertwining together to form archways. As they neared, the vine-like structure became more clear, and it was evident that they weren't vines or branches but tentacles bending around and twisting into the cephalopods formed around an opal-colored eye at the top of each archway. This is comforting, Detective Stevens said, chiding Detective Rogers. You think this is weird? You haven't seen the inside yet. Oh, joy. Something to look forward to, Detective Stevens mused. Indeed, Rogers acknowledged. As they neared, several men wearing brown cloaks with red belts carrying bamboo stairs marched forth from several of the archways to meet them. I feel so welcome, Detective Rogers grumbled. Then, stepping out of the shadow of the main arch was the ominous figure of High Priest Rune, his purple and black robes flowing around him. Detectives, his voice rumbled. You're a long way from the safety of your police station. Have you brought me my tablet? Rune, right? That is correct, Detective Stevens. Well, to be honest, Master Rune, you're a short step from me bringing the entire Montgomery police force down upon you. Really? He said with a scoff. May I inquire why? Surely it can't be because of our earlier encounter at the Thomas residence. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg, Stephen's tone bit back. 
Hmm. Then may I presume it has to do with this, he said, as he pulled forth out of the darkness of the arch the man with blood-stained robes, tossing him forward like a rag doll into the red clay. He is yours to take, detective. We apologize for his inappropriate behavior, he sneered. Normally, we would punish him in our way, but I don't want to create more tension between my church and your esteemed colleagues. Master, how can you? Is it not your will we get the silence? Fool, I will not suffer your unwarranted stupidity any further. Rune looked over at the detectives. Now, take him and allow us to get back to who we serve. Hold it, Rune, Stephen shouted out. He stopped half in and out of the shadows. His eyes gleamed like red-colored saucers. Yes, detective. I still want to speak to you about the Thomas family. I see. How about if I come by your station later today? Will that suffice? Yes, that will be fine. Good. Now go. Get off my property while I'm feeling generous. Why, you? Rogers began to march forward, only to be met by half a dozen cultists. Stevens pulled him back. Let's go. They grabbed and handcuffed the stout cultist and pressed him to the back of the cruiser as Detective Rogers read off his rights. He looked stunned, betrayed. Well, that went better than I thought. Yeah, Rogers agreed. It makes me think they're up to something. <laughs> yeah, Rogers agreed again. Definitely fishy. The Dodge Charger roared back to life as Detective Rogers started it up and headed away from the Temple of INA. The cultists in the back kept whimpering, muttering nonsense, cursing Stevens and Rogers, as well as High Priest Rune. Doom shall fall upon you all! I shall make sure of it! Right, right, Rogers mocked as they cruised down the narrow road. I wonder what's with all those tentacle-like archways, Stevens asked. I'm not 100% sure, but... Then the cultists blathered out. Ikatsu! They're the tentacles of our lord, of our god Ikatsu! Ikatsu? Stevens pursued. Yes! His great tentacles crawl from beyond! They... He continued, starting to shriek. They will devour you and all of humanity! Death by Calamar. Great, Rogers torted. You dare mock him? You! You! At this, the man began to cough, sputter, and spit. An anguished look came over his face as the coffin became more of a fit, uncontrollable. Jesus, Rogers exclaimed as a splattering of blood hit the plexiglass panel separating them. I, I don't understand. Rogers, pull over, Stevens demanded. Shit. The cultist was choking, hacking up blood. He fell out of the side of the cruiser, writhing in pain, reaching to some unknown point in the distance. His other hand was clutching a medallion, its rounded circumference covered in the man's blood from where it had torn open the palm of his hand. We better call for an ambulance. I don't think one will make it, Stevens replied. Do you? No, no, probably not. As the man was convulsing, Rogers called for an ambulance over the radio. I'm going to try and subdue him and get him back into the car. Are you nuts? Don't ask. As they tried to grab him in a way they could safely sedate him and put him back into the cruiser... They were pushed back by his ferocity. He snarled and gnashed with his teeth like a wild animal as spit and saliva ran out of his mouth, landing in puddles on the ground. His eyes were yellowish and streaming with a pussy-like fluid. God, this is no seizure, Stephen said frustrated. Poison? 
Probably yes. I knew that was too easy. What do you want to do, Rogers asked. They could hear the ambulance in the distance. Oh, there's a lot I want to do, Stevens replied. Unfortunately, we'll have to wait till we get back a toxicology report before we can do anything. A man looked at them, leaning back on all fours, ready to pounce. Want to try again? Do I have an option? The big man gave a half a smile as the two cautiously looked for an opening. The cultists reared back further. They could see the ambulance lights flashing between the limbs of the trees. The cultists glanced over at the flashing lights. Now! Stevens called out, and the big man rushed in like a bear. Stevens came in from the other side, trying to restrain the wild man from being able to bite him or Rogers. Spit and foam splashed around as the cultists gurgled in defiance. Two EMTs wearing protective gear rushed in and began to restrain him as he kicked and screamed. Are you okay? Yeah, a couple bruises, but nothing else. You? He managed to scratch me pretty good, Rogers answered, showing a glint of blood running down his forearm. You better have that checked out. I'm fine, Rogers insisted. I'm ordering, Stevens replied. That's protocol. You're a pain in the ass, you know that? Stevens smiled. Rogers tossed him the keys to the cruiser. I'll ride along with the EMTs and make sure our little friend gets to the hospital. I'll pick you up after you get checked out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Stevens? Yeah? Don't wreck my cruiser. Funny, Rogers. Funny. As the two began to separate, Stevens heard a chirping sound. It was an alarm he had set on his phone. Rogers, he yelled out. What? I'm going to be a little later than I thought. I have to meet someone. Rogers rolled his eyes. You better come get me before they put one of those stupid hospital gowns on me. I should be there by 8, the latest. Rogers looked at his phone. It was already 4 p.m. Joy, four hours with Mr. Drooly over here. Stevens shrugged with a half-assed smile, as if to say, Sorry. The back doors of the ambulance closed, and they took off at lightning speed, sirens blaring. Stevens silenced the alarm and climbed into the cruiser. He had just enough time for a quick shower and a cup of coffee before his meeting with Donaldson. Detective Stevens stepped out of the shower to the aroma of a freshly brewed pot of coffee and the sounds of pots and pans clanging in his kitchen. It wasn't a sound he had heard in years, not since his wife Karen and he pushed that thought away and quickly dressed before heading downstairs. He wasn't sure who his Florence Nightingale was, but he knew it couldn't be anyone there meant to hurt him. Otherwise, why brew coffee? Milk? Sugar? It was Hicks. Hicks? Milk or sugar? Black. Huh, right. How did I get in? Hicks said as she took the keys out of her pocket and dropping them on the counter. You left your keys in the lock. I came by to check on you and to fill you in on Rich's wife and kids. Oh, God. Now I know I'm tired, Stevens responded, rubbing his entire face and extending his arms out in an elongated yawn. You must be tired, too, he said as he grabbed the coffee. I mean, you did do a double yesterday. Yeah, and those overnights are no picnic. I keep telling myself one day I'll be smart enough to say no, but... But the money's too good to pass up. Bingo! She smiled, grabbing a cup of coffee of her own and handed him a plate of steak and eggs. What about you? She shook her head. I just ate, thank you. How did it go? Well, the girls and cat are pretty frightened... And Donaldson looks like a lost puppy. Hmm, he replied, taking a bite of the steak and eggs. Damn, these are good. Thank you. You're welcome, she said after a long swig of her coffee, and then she asked. So, what's going on, Warren? Why all the hush-hush with Rich and his wife? It's more a precautionary measure, Hicks. 
Precautionary? What? I really can't. Seriously, she said, looking into the bottom of her coffee cup. You wake me up after a double to loan the Donaldsons my cabinet up in Millbrook and... I'm sorry. Sorry isn't going to cover this. Jerry. She put down her mug in annoyance. Warren, you need to start trusting me more. It was clear she was hurt. Not with this case. There are things happening that... Fine, she said, turning towards the door and starting to leave. Hicks, what? Thanks for taking care of all this. She grumbled with a, yeah, yeah, anytime, and left waving in a nonchalant way, shutting the screen door behind her. Stevens quickly finished the steak and eggs and chugged down the remainders of his coffee. It was now 6.55, and Donson would be waiting for him at the pub. He quickly sent out a text. On my way. He grabbed his gray trench coat and shuffled the fedora into place on his head. He had always loved the gumshoe look, even as a kid reading Dick Tracy or watching Mike Hammer. Karen had always teased him. Karen. Again, he pushed the thought away. Sorry, honey, he whispered to himself. Today's not a good day to be reminiscing. To be honest, no day was. He missed her. And he missed Jack. It took a few minutes to compose himself again before he entered McCluskey's. It was already 7.10 and he knew Rich would be a little sore at him for being late. The bar was dark and it took a couple minutes for his eyes to adjust. He used to complain to Jacob about it, but he liked it that way and would just say, it gives the place atmosphere. That and the fact that it hides that the place needs a good paint job. They'd both laugh as he slid over or shot a bourbon. Donaldson was sitting at the far end finishing up his second beer by the looks of it. A half-eaten burger and onion straw sat next to him, growing cold. Donaldson looked up from his beer and back to his watch. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Hicks surprised me with an impromptu breakfast. Hicks? Really? Are you two? No, no, I... You know, Donaldson said, it's been several years since you lost Karen and Jack. You can still have a life, Warren. The sound of another shot sliding across the top of the bar made Stevens look up at Jacob as if to say, Are you trying to get me drunk? Jacob just shrugged as if to say... It was the ghost of McCluskey's. Honest. Don't worry, Donaldson said. I got this. It's not that. I haven't slept and... Just drink it. And he sighed, shrugged, and said, Fine. He swallowed the shot and relaxed in the neighboring bar stool. So what's going on, Warren? Why'd you rush Cat and the kids off? Why'd you suggest that I get... Reassigned from the case? Yeah. For the same reason I don't date Hicks. I don't understand, Donaldson said, shaking his head. I've never told you what really happened to Karen and Jack, have I? What do you mean? They died in an auto accident. Yeah, and no. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have had that last shot. You're not making sense. They were murdered, Rich. Murdered, he said, putting down his beer with a bang. What? I don't... Stevens put up his hand to stop him. It starts with the Cullen case. He then proceeded to tell him about Cullen, a homeless man that had tried to get out of a harsh blizzard by breaking into the boarded-up home of the Winter family. The house had been used in secret by a group called the Cadric Order, an evil society bent on bringing about the end of the world. They had managed to summon an ancient demon into the home by using the bones of Devon Winter. Devon Winter? Donaldson asked. His girl Maggie wound up at the sanatorium, right? Actually... Devin killed her and his wife, Grace. Then who's that up at the sanatorium? That's a young woman named Casey Monroe. 
She was Grace's friend. Devin had been sexually abusing her. When his wife found out, they tried to flee with his daughter, and he killed them both. And Devin? He managed to hide in the tunnels below the old cemetery. There, apparently, he sustained himself, feasting on the rotting corpses of the people buried above. Holy fuck! Oh my god, that's... Yeah. And he? He began to look like a ghoul. His body shriveled, his eyes protruding from his skull. Wait. Wait, how do you... how do you know all that? We found him in the winter residence about three months later. Someone called us after they saw someone lurking about. He was dead, nailed to the floor. Rats and other small animals had been feeding on him the same way he had. Donaldson looked green. Sorry, Stephen said. Donaldson waved him off. No, no, I'm fine. I just wish I hadn't eaten. So, getting back to this... this cadre quarter, Donaldson pursued. I don't know much about them. They're a group of evil sorcerers. They've been around since before the Babylonian Empire. Are you pulling my chain? No, no, they're very real, Rich. So, I still don't understand. Why all the hush-hush? It has to do with knowledge, Rich. Knowing about them puts their order at risk. They will murder anyone who knows about them and... and their families. A silence grew between them. So, Cat and the girls... Yes, they will be at risk if you continue the work on this case. But how? How are they related? I don't know that yet. I'm not entirely sure they are. But between the autopsy and this master rune, who? Ah, yeah. I haven't gotten to him yet. No, no, you haven't. He proceeded to recount his earlier encounter with Rune at the Thomas residence, and then how he and Rogers had gone to the Temple of INA. The look of utter disbelief had washed over Donaldson's face, and he raised his hand, and the sound of a glass of beer came scooting towards him. So, they're the fucks who killed my dog, and left me that love letter? Yeah. They're trying to pass it off as this one cult member, but I suspect that Rune put him up to that. Donaldson's face was growing redder and redder by the second. Are you okay, Rich? No. No. Not even close, he said, turning to Stevens. I'm going to make those bastards pay. They've frightened and hurt my little girls. Now, now it's my turn. Are you sure, Rich? Why? Because of this Cadric order that they might be involved? Well, fuck them too. Stevens looked down at Jacob and received the third shot. He drank it saying, Well, I hope you don't regret this. A half a dozen people walked in in costume and Stevens checked his watch. It was eight and soon this place would be packed. McCluskey's was infamous for its Halloween reverie. Eight. Shit. What? I forgot about Rogers. Oh, he's going to be pissed, Donaldson mused. Donaldson dialed the hospital. This is Detective Warren Stevens. I'm looking for a Detective Tim Rogers. He should have come in via ambulance about 5.30. He's what? When? Ah, oh, crap. He turned to Donaldson. Apparently he left about three hours ago. That was fast. Usually it takes at least three hours. Yeah, exactly. I have a feeling he decided to skip the examination. He called the station. Put me through to the chief. Hey, chief, it's Stevens. Stevens, where the hell are you? I was going over things with Donaldson at McCluskey's. Well, you have a very annoyed visitor waiting for you. Let me guess. Master Rune? Exactly. Exactly. 
<sighs> I'll be there in 15 minutes. He looked over at Donaldson and put his fedora back on his head. We better go. Oh, my detective. Master Rune is waiting. I'm sure he just brought you a bouquet of friendship. Or perhaps not. And Death Sergeant Hicks, feeling left out, are we? Is it really a good idea to be prying? Trying to find out what secrets lie outside in the darkness? And Detective Stevens, it would do good for you to remember just how strong women really are. That being said, it's been a while since we checked in on Miss Kuchma. And how could we forget her poor little Alex? Tune in next Tentacle Tuesday as our story pulls us further into the darkness. Join us for Chapter 6, Slight of Hand. 